So we were we were just talking about how uh, how the Star Wars TV shows are really making the case that what we thought was a universe of adventure and and amazement is actually just uh, roughly thirty people who go to the same two planets over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Either either we just started the episode or you're filling Alex in on what happened before <laughs> we sit recording. That's right. Hey everybody, welcome to the Flophouse. My name is Ellie Kalen, and tonight I'm going to be taking the wheel of what's going to be a very wild ride. That's right. Joining okay. me are Mr. Toad himself, Dan McCoy, and the Weasel, I'll Stuart Wellington. That's me. I'm a weasel. <laughs> Do you like Holly uh, Shore is here. He's got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Uh, is it the bone so. that Encino Man was carrying around because he's a caveman? <laughs> it is the bone. Yeah. Uh, he keeps it as a lucky totem. <laughs> and normally on the flop house, as you guys, know us, guys, real quick, did, was Polly Shore <laughs> cool. one of those comedians who got super jacked? Should I be frightened of Polly Shore? Probably. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's Dan. Can you do a Google search for Polly Shore jacked? Question mark. <laughs> I don't think so, but I will say that uh, the the boss of the thing I'm working at right now, a gentleman that uh, Elliot and I both know, Josh Lee, was talking about how his friend got to know. <laughs> Carrot Top, and my main question was, what, <laughs> did, did your friend know him for the transformation, or was it afterwards? And unfortunately, it was afterwards, so I don't know. I, I have no uh, Unfortunately, that seems juice. like the most interesting time to know Carrot Top. No, well, I want to know what I, I want to know what precipitated it. I want to know what he was going through. Uh, I see. That, like, really probably, got uh, Probably like me, uh, your run-of-the-mill midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, although there was, oh. a, it was around the time, I think, that Carrot Top was experimenting with props based on gambling. Gamma radiation. Sure, yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his props are free weights. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is the Flop House. Normally on this podcast, we talk about a bad movie that we've just watched. But did I say normally? I mean half the time. The other half yeah. the time, what we call the off weeks, we do these. Flop House Mini Mannies. That's right. It's a Flop House Mini Manny brought to you by Minnie's Bar and Maniac of New York, as well as the Who Was podcast on Heart Radio, co-hosted by mm. me. Hey, kids, don't listen to this podcast. It's not appropriate for you. Listen to the Who Was podcast. Nope. Wherever podcasts are available. So joining me again, as I said, are Dan the D-Man Decoy and, and that's right, I said it, it was Decoy because I wanted three D's in a row. And sure, why not? And Stu the S-Man Swellington. And okay. we're here. We're here. <laughs> to uh, talk I was about, looking forward to what Elliot was how is Elliot was gonna introduce me. I was you just know gonna what? put just did gonna do it the same way. Not disappoint. Thanks. Yeah, he is swelling by the day. Yep, then Mus- <laughs> muscles. If wise. I know anyone who's yeah. swelling, it's Stu. And sometimes boner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Possibly. We don't need I haven't to. I haven't seen someone swell like this since Violet Beauregard chewed the wrong piece of gum back at the old Wonka factory. We all know how that turned out. What about <laughs> they the fished Santa her Claus? body out of the river. <laughs> so do you think? So you you I, my my younger son is obsessed with Willy Wonka right now. All sure. those kids, all it. those kids just had their bodies disposed right after Wonka ruined them. Well, you gotta, in the factory. I mean, I think the movie play. You know, I mean the the movie and the story. The the because in the book they all story. show up at the end. And they're alive, and they walk. Oh, home. they do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because like the, it does play. There are certain ones where you could plausibly think, like, yeah, they survived somehow. Yeah, maybe you Augustus. Know, they, yeah, they embiggened uh, Mike TV. Oh, Augustus, he's the one that I'm most worried. Oh, about. I'm most worried about about Veruca <laughs> since she falls down up down a pipe that leads to an incinerator. Yeah, I mean, it's possible it's it's not on today though. <laughs> That's true. That's so. a good point. But anyway, uh, guys, we're not here to talk about Willy Wonka right now. We are here to talk about a movie I watched. Wait a minute, is this a regular episode of the Flop House? Yeah. No, 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 no. This is a mini Manny, mm. which means it's time for missed that movie. The semi-regular oh. mini segment where one of us tells the other two about a movie we watched, and they decide did they want to miss the movie. Did they, are they bad, are they hissing <laughs> that they missed the movie? I don't remember what our ratings are. <laughs> yeah, Stu, you got, you're the keeper of these ratings, I think. Uh, was it, we should have missed that movie? Was it, uh, would have missed that movie? Or could have not uh, missed the movie? <laughs> I don't you know, think those were it. I think uh, I'm right. <laughs> do you, are you glad you missed it, sad to miss it, or had, had to, to not, not miss it? it. Oh, oh yeah. I see, I see. Hell yeah. yeah. And so Man, tonight I'm talking— How did yep. I not remember those incredibly <laughs> accurate categories? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, there are better categories than spookily scarifying or whatever the— <laughs> No, <laughs> those aren't. Those are the made-up ones that Stuart says. <laughs> For Shocktober. Um, they're all yeah. made up. <laughs> yeah, they're all—all all movie ratings are made up, Dan, just like all movies are made up. There's no That's naturally true. occurring 
organic movie rating system <laughs> that grows out of the ground. Well, what about this movie that I have in a perfect crystal? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh okay. <laughs> I found it growing out, outside. It's, oh, a, cool. it's one of nature's miracles. Uh, so, uh-huh. Dan, Stu, maybe you've seen this movie. I don't know. Tonight I'm going to be talking about okay. a film from 1980, Columbia mm. Pictures. The year I was born. The year you were born. Uh, Dan, born a different year. Me, also born a different year, but around that time. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And uh, it's a film called Night of the Juggler. And this stars. Oh, I haven't this stars, not seen this. This stars James Brolin, and it is a. Uh, it comes out oh. in 1980, but it was shot in 1978, and it is very much a 70s scuzzy New York crime, semi exploitation, uh, gritty thriller. So. Guys, let me tell you a little bit before we get into the plot about Night of the Juggler. Okay. One, there is no juggling in the movie. I'm sorry to break it to you. And on top of that, my first question. On top of that, most of the movie takes place during the day. So it's an incredibly oh. accurate title. Is it like is it like everybody's looking back on that one night where there was a juggler? No, that would be a movie with a juggler and at nighttime. This is the opposite. Okay. There's no juggler and okay. it's during the daytime. You're saying, oh, it's like a, it's a, it's a, people are sitting around wistfully remembering the time there was a juggler at night. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the curious case of the juggler in the in the nighttime. Curious incident. It's like the- it's like in People Under the Stairs. I don't remember there actually being a scene where there were any people literally under stairs. But <laughs> Evil Dead Two features a a lady under the stairs, so that should be called Person Under the Stairs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the mildest of objections to you, Stuart, because I'll allow it. And I don't know what it is, but I'll allow it. The reason why this objection is so mild is I'm also basing this on my memory, but I think there were people directly <laughs> under the stairs in the people under the stairs. Okay, listeners, so, write in: Is Stuart right or is Dan right? Right uh, in. Winner Andrew, take yeah. all. If any, if any, or if people- you're the ghost of Wes Craven, haunts the wrong one of us. Yeah, I mean, I would love for him to haunt me. <laughs> Yeah, man. Proof of life after death. I think, Stuart, yeah. you're thinking of... You're <laughs> yep, th- that's why. <laughs> I'm like, so confident a supernatural phenomenon? <laughs> Stuart, I think I don't you're know thinking, why everyone's scared of them. <laughs> Stuart, I think you're thinking of the first Harry Potter movie in which there was a person under the stairs. Harry Potter, who lived under the stairs. Mm, right. Yeah. The main character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was a metaphor for Reagan's poverty programs, I think. Anyway, so <laughs> Night of the Juggler. This is This movie needed... Two directors. That's how tough it is. It was directed. Oh, first. like AI. Yes. Exactly. Well, I mean, AI has one director. It was based on, I guess, the notes that Stanley Kubrick left in between <laughs> pages of a magazine he was reading on the toilet or something like that. And then <laughs> Spielberg picked him up at the estate sale. But so it started being directed by Sidney J. Fury, who you know as the director of the Ipcris File, Superman Four, mm. most of the Iron Eagle series, mm-hmm. and of course the Rodney Dangerfield classic Ladybugs. And he, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting wow, filmography. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the original version of Ladybugs had a lot more murder in it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, he actually was shooting the movie, and he left it after a few weeks because James Brolin, uh, it appeared he had broken his foot doing a stunt. And uh, so Sidney Fury was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he left, and the producers sued him for breach of contract. He didn't come Did back. Did James Brolin break his foot kicking uh, an uruk helmet like Viggo Mortensen broke his foot in uh, The Two Towers? No, there's actually no uruk in this movie, as it, set as <laughs> okay. it is in late Man, 70s really, New York. You're not selling this movie to me. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah. well, maybe it'll help you to know that it lose was to lose two points maybe it, it'll help you know that the the uh oh i gotta make up those points on the back end that uh, <laughs> the man who took over the directing robert butler directed a previous Flophouse movie the computer wore tennis shoes oh, uh, okay. he also did a lot of tv so a real stylist yeah, and he co-created <laughs> remington steel so that's that's oh, so that's why okay. he's in the hall of fame what's uh throw me out throw me the 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 quick elevator pitch for remington steel i don't think i recall so remington steel Oh, you go. So it, what's the, it's like she's a lady detective, but she thinks people aren't going to take her seriously. So she hires a guy to play a fake detective, and she's doing the yes. real work, and he's like the suave. Timothy Dalton is like and so the, the suave cover. Uh, wait, no, it's uh, it's it's Brosnan. It's Pierce Brosnan. Oh, it's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got my but I like got my bonds mixed up. But mm-hmm. that's like, yeah, that's kind of the joke of it, where they're just like, who uh, seems like a handsome, globetrotting man of mystery? Let's get Pierce Brosnan, you know, because he's like so, he was so absurdly like, he had that vibe. And then they're like, let's do it for James Bond. And then it was like, no, too much, too much. James Bond's already that guy. It feels like too much when you put him on that. 
I think I, what they probably said is they said, who could be a king of France? Let's make him Remington yeah. Steel. Mm-hmm. Who'd be like a long-haired king who wants to kill a mermaid in a very loosely sketched out ritual? Who could have a Thomas Crown affair? <laughs> <laughs> Steve McQueen? Well, who could have another Thomas Crown affair? Who then? could deal with Dante's Peak? <laughs> who could who, who could who could seduce a British gangster in a public pool in a very small role in the movie in the movie The Long Good Friday? Pierce Brosnan, of course. A matador uh, in a sort of a, a metaphorical mm, way. He's not actually yeah. a matador in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Mamma Mia! I've got it. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's a Mamma Mia, too. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, so yeah. the screenplay of the movie, let me just tell you a little bit more, we'll get into the movie itself. Uh, it was written by two screenwriters, Rick Natkin, who you know best, Dan, for writing your favorite movie, Necessary Roughness, and also... Oh, of course. Again, <laughs> the Iron One delivery system? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I watched that, I'm like, is that... Is this roughness necessary? No, but it's hilarious. Uh, Dan, the title clearly states the roughness is necessary. You got to trust that a football with horns knows what's necessary. Yeah, sure. I watched I watched fucking major league so many times that when necessary roughness came out, I'm like, this is gonna hit the same way. And you know what? It fucking didn't, and I was hurt. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Really let you down. Uh, that's unnecessary roughness on your heart. And the other screenwriter was this guy, William W. Norton. He wrote a lot of Burt Reynolds movies like White Lightning and Gator. And then in the 80s, he went to- Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You're telling me that a guy who wrote for uh, Burt Reynolds, for Burt Reynolds, worked with a guy who wrote Necessary Roughness? How could they get along? <laughs> Well, it's a good question because Norton seems like kind of a tough character. He went to jail in the 80s for running guns for the Irish National Liberation Army, which was made up of uh, IRA guys who did not like the ceasefire and wanted to keep keep fighting. And uh, he then moved to Nicaragua and killed a burglar who broke into his house, and he eventually lived in Cuba for a while before sneaking back into the United States. And according to the Wikipedia entry I read about him, he was nervous for years that the FBI was trying to get him until somebody called him up and was like, don't worry about it. No one cares about you. Just live your life. So it sounds like there we're talking about some like some real life political turmoil. Dan, uh, let's hear your opinions on the Northern Ireland conflict. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my opinions are uninformed, <laughs> so <laughs> I shouldn't give them. Uh, so the, this this movie it's very similar to the movie Kidnap, starring Halle Berry, which was another flop house. Uh, I believe uh, it was starring movie. an SUV mm. <laughs> featuring Halle Berry. <laughs> it was it was starring yeah. like a town and country. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, it, the movie was shot in 1978, not released till 1980. Let me tell you. So by the time it was coming out, I think New York had it was still New York was still in the dumps, uh, but it maybe wasn't as super bad as it had been. Let's start. It's New York. We begin mm. with a man sitting by, next to Central Park, waiting for his breakfast to arrive in an outdoor diner. When it arrives, he arranges the food on his plate into a smiley face and then dumps a ketchup bottle on top of it in an act of hostility. Then he gets up and leaves, does not eat it. So you know this guy is nuts. <laughs> okay. He has just ruined a perfectly good breakfast. So uh, this, we, it turns out this is a, a crazy guy. He is, a, and I use crazy, not, not in a uh, medical or diagnostic term, just a, to describe a, 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 a loosely sketched character in a... Um, in yeah. a 70s semi-exploitation movie. So he yep. is he is staking out Central Park, hoping to kidnap a rich girl on her way to school. And the kidnapper is played by Cliff Gorman, who is an actor who won a Tony for playing Lenny Bruce in the play Lenny, which makes a lot of sense with his performance here because he's kind of playing what if Lenny was a was a madman as opposed yeah. to a, a self-destructive comedian. And uh, you'll be interested to know, Stu, he was in the original off-Broadway cast of The Boys in the Band. Oh, no shit. Anyway, I don't know why you'd be interested to know that. Uh, Then we're introduced to the main character, James Brolin. He's an ex-cop turned trucker, and he's one of these movie characters who's kind of a screw-up, but everyone in the neighborhood knows him and likes him. And he just wears jeans and a button-down flannel shirt, and he's got a beard, so you know he's super cool. He's down to earth. Uh, His ex-wife wants to take their daughter to live with her and her new husband in Connecticut. He doesn't Not like that. that. No, yeah. got to stay in the big city. It's a real over-the-top type scenario. Uh, it's his daughter's birthday, and he just returned home from a long-haul run, which leads me to wonder, who who was she staying with during this time? Because he just goes to his apartment, and she's there. She's just a kid. But it's her birthday, so he brought her some hot dogs. I mean, things dogs. are different. This was the 70s. It was different back then. That's true. It was different back there. He Back then, he brought her some hot dogs and tickets to the ballet, 
And she's basically, she's about 13, but somehow she keeps talking about how she's on a diet. And he's like, okay, let's jog to school then. It's a weird, it's very weird how much this character is talking about her diet at the beginning. And does so, he uh, And does he go jogging in jeans? You know it. He wears the Hell same. Yeah. The, he, oh. he got right off that truck in the same sweaty, ratty clothes and then wore them for the rest of the movie. Never changing. I gotta say, I gotta say, dudes that go to the gym and work out in like jeans and Timberlands, like, man, fucking A, that's some energy right right there. Uh, like dudes yeah, that are like doing full squats and everything in a pair of jeans. Like <laughs> how are you doing this? Do. <laughs> I mean, the jeans, yeah, certainly not in a, like a good, uh, a, a pair of jeans with a good fit. But, like I could see you doing squats and jeans that you shouldn't be wearing. You know what I mean? They're too, yeah. well, they're just like, they're just too much space going on. Hey, Is it because I, they're turned I, around like crisscross? I'll tell you something. I, I spaced out I spaced out earlier. Did you say that there's no juggling in this there's movie? There's no juggling in the movie, Dan. Ugh, man. So in case you thought there was okay. that he was he was a he was a homicidal juggler who juggled knives. That's not what happens. Oh, but there is a Mandy Patankin. There Mandy okay. Don't Go, don't jump on. ahead, Dan. Why are you doing research okay. on the movie? I'm, I'm not to doing it, I'm not I not, no plot. I just I see I see the cast. Okay, we're Sorry, about to get on. to Mandy Patankin. So they're jogging to school. The kidnapper sees them, assumes that this girl is the rich daughter that he's the rich person's daughter that he's trying to kidnap. And grabs her, and James Brolin, he just uh, chases after. And I, I'm not quite sure why this guy. I mean, this guy is unhinged. He see he he sees a, a girl in overalls jogging with a man who looks like a bum, and she and he's like, she must be rich. Time to pick her up. That must be her valet, uh, that or her Batman that, mm-hmm. that that escorts her to school. Uh, and Brolin chases them, and there's a long chase sequence where he's chasing after the car. He almost manages to pull her out of the kidnapper's car. He jumps into a cab driven by Mandy Patankin, who is playing a, uh, oh. a Puerto Rican character or a character of some uh, Latin, uh, mm. Hispanic uh, derivation. And he's really going well, on. As, yeah. as he is in The Princess as he Bride. Is the, but I guess but The Princess Bride, his, well, he's Hispanic. playing a Spaniard in The Princess Bride, but he's, yes. his, The Princess Bride is a is, is such a, a storybook fairy tale fantasy, whereas yeah. this is supposed to be It's like The New King's York. Daughter, yeah. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. kind of wonder... You, you know they could have found an actual Puerto Rican person to play or or Cuban or Dominican, whatever ethnicity he's supposed to be. But instead they go with Manny Patankin and he is really hamming it up. He hams it up like crazy. Mm. He's And James Rowland goes, that guy's kidnapped my daughter. And he goes, get in the car. And they just drive. And he keeps talking about how he should beat that. He, he's like so totally on board with James, James Rowland chasing and beating <laughs> up this guy right away. And he's like, oh, he must be a white guy. These perverts are always white guys. And he gives James Rowland a tire iron and tells him to go beat the shit out of the kidnapper. And so uh, anyway, long this is a long chase. The kidnapper manages to escape, pulls the daughter onto the subway. Brolin jumps the turnstiles to follow them and gets arrested on the other end. As if in, and someone's like, we got a jumper, radio ahead. As if in New York in the 70s, they're really putting APBs out for turnstile jumpers. <laughs> like, Sorry, guys. I was, I was having trouble with my microphone for a moment. I hope that was, Alex, I hope that wasn't affecting anything before then. But now it seems to be doing fine. I just Pure had some gold. levels Perfect. issues. Sorry. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, a lot of things were going crazy in the 70s. People were jumping out of movie screens. There's some in Times Square. There was a cricket in Central Park or something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was nuts. There's a, uh, there was a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the signs of New York's real collapse when that Connecticut Yankee showed up in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, and there was also a kid in King Arthur's Court. There was so much going on <laughs> in King Arthur's Court, yeah. And there's uh, a kid who would be king? <laughs> you know, there was a kid who would be king. There was a rookie of the year. Cyclical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a Disney's The Kid? It was so yeah. Well, I don't, there were angels in the outfield. I know about that. <laughs> was, yeah, it was it was a rough time. It was a rough time for New York. So anyway, uh, then we get a little bit of, a little comedy scene with a police lieutenant. Uh, this police lieutenant, he's played by Richard Castellano. Uh, he's famous as Take the Cannoli Clemenza from The Godfather, and uh, he's really stressed out. He's planning his daughter's wedding because cops in the movies on the worst crime day, it's always their daughter's wedding or birthday or something like that. It's their anniversary they got to get home for. Uh, he we, he stops into a health food yogurt store and he's like, oh, what you got here? Let me see. Uh, my son-in-law, he's wants to, be in, to invest in his yogurt business, uh, chocolate. You can't do anything wrong with chocolate. Hey, this is pretty good. How do you make it? And the guy's like, well, so, the guy's like yeah, well, you take the milk and you ferment it and the microbes have got to be in there. And he goes, microbes? Blah, forget about it, and walks out. Anyway, that's the yogurt scene. That's the famous yogurt scene. It sounds like scene. a yogurt scene, yogurt actually. <laughs> I, you should, now, so this, I, yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask about this. You called it a health food yoga, yogurt, yogurt store. Yeah, it's health food yogurt. Is it, it, I mean, is it 
fully just yogurt though? Is that the one item that is sold? No, no. In the I think store, they have other stuff, it but it's general... but yogurt is the is the it's that's their signature dish. You know, this is yeah. this was back at a time when yogurt was not yet a thing. Everybody was eating. This is like mm-hmm. yogurt is to the seventies mm-hmm. as sushi was to the eighties, where it was like if you're rich in a movie, you're eating yeah. sushi, and everyone like, else thinks it's weird. Or like hummus in the nineties. Yes, exactly. Hummus in the nineties. What was it in the two thousands, Dan? You're on the food scene. Yeah, you're a food 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 guy. Uh, you're a food guy. Creme fraiche. Uh, yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah, ra- ramps. I, I do remember when everyone was talking about ramps for some reason. Do you remember Couldn't there was stop <laughs> like ramps in Guanciale? Like, come on, get out of here. <laughs> there was this episode yeah. of Top Chef. I mean, that sounds delicious. This yeah, it sounds Top amazing. Chef, it's the perfect combo. They were at the Union Square Farmers Market, and they go, "They have ramps. They have ramps here." And all the chefs were going crazy about ramps. And me and my wife were like, "What are ramps? Like, what is this?" We have to look <laughs> them up. It was like, "Oh, it's a green." Okay, You're that's like, all I'm it is. Looking. I'm looking up ramps and it just keeps giving me screenshots of skate or die. <laughs> and then ride or die, Dan McCoy, the way, the website. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, he, anyway, that's the famous yogurt scene. Anyway, we're going to see more of that lieutenant later. He's one of our, he's, he's the, he's the, uh, speaks truth to power guy on the force, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. Do we, do we see the yogurt shop anymore? No, the yogurt shop never <laughs> yeah. comes back. That's okay. it. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Stewart's favorite character has mm-hmm. left. Yeah, the, sorry. There's the no movie. more yogurt. There's no juggler. There's only one scene of yogurt. So <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, so the kidnapper, he takes uh, Brolin's daughter to his neighborhood, which is this burned out part of the South Bronx. It's full of wreckage. And he explains his reasoning behind this, which is that he is super racist and is just throwing around a lot of cancelable language. And he's blaming everything on minorities being shipped into his neighborhood by rich people so they can destroy the neighborhood and then buy up the buildings. It's real great replacement theory but stuff. He, it's really Does horrible. he at least do it in like a song like in West Side Story? No, he. D- it's not a song so much as a, a rant as he drags a girl through the real vacant burned down lots of the South Bronx. Okay. Uh, and that's what, there's something about these scenes that is, it, it really gets across, maybe it's just one block that they were on that they filmed all the shots on. I don't know. I don't really know how badly uh, torn apart that area was at the time at, outside of the fiction of the movies that have led me to believe that it was just Bronx warriors all the time. But the it really looks like they're in the middle of the apocalypse that they're just walking through you know lots of rubble and things like that and it makes me think you know what New York I'm glad that you're not I like love that you, anymore but you're bringing me down <laughs> no, no I'm glad that yeah. you're not full of vacant lots full of rubble as as hard as it is to live there now and it's too expensive and the buildings they put up nowadays are let's face it ugly they look like a combination of either college dorms or the fortress of solitude uh and yeah, there's that you whole would pr- you would Hudson prefer, yards thing don't get me started on that yeah, anyway you know what? Unchecked, about uh, it. yeah you'd prefer unchecked gentrification as opposed to you know a, la- a blasted landscape run by street gangs and they can only be stopped by one man that's right doll man played by tim thomerson <laughs> a, a pint-sized intergalactic cop with a giant gun is that what you know, is that no, what doll the, man is about here's the thing <laughs> I mean, that's the first one. The second one, he's versus the demonic toys. But uh, there uh, was, I mean, you, we all remember the headlines when it said Ford to Dollman dropped dead. <laughs> and Dollman yeah. was the only thing standing between New York and total collapse. Uh, but you know what? I, I In thinking about some of the new buildings they've been putting up, I kind of turned around on it. So you know what? If it means they don't build uh, any more of that that big, like, you know, the vessel, the thing at the Hudson Yards that looks like an, uh, a hollow beehive, you know mm-hmm. what? Let's tear parts of the city down if it means no more of those because I'm I'm not a fan of or that. Or those one. buildings where like the windows are all different colors. I don't like those. Ones. Oh well, that sounds pretty. I haven't seen any of those. You mean like a church? <laughs> well, no, yeah, I'm talking about stained glass, Stuart. Beautiful stained glass. I hate it. <laughs> no, there's like weird. Trying to like, impress me I, I with the know. majesty of God. Blah. There's like these. There's a couple of skyscrapers that look kind of like 80s trapper keepers but cool. let's uh, do they have a lot of like uh, they have a lot of like neon squiggles and dinosaurs with sunglasses mm-hmm. on them <laughs> yeah I and love chicken nuggets on roller skates <laughs> chicken nuggets on roller Fuck skates yes. Dan you just described put the my coolest building in, in the world shit. yeah Ugh. sounds great now I love you know what Dan you turned yeah. me around now I like gentrified New York again this has been a real roller coaster anyway yeah. Yeah. Uh, he kidnapped he, it turns out he kidnapped this girl because he thought she was the daughter of a rich real estate developer and he's going to ask her dad for a million dollars they go he takes her to his home after after casually killing somebody. And uh, he talks for a long time about how great his mom and dad were. And he plays with his vicious looking dog who never really enters into the story. And later he dresses up the daughter in his mom's old dress. Uh, real quick, real quick. Uh, you yeah. said vicious looking dog. Do you mean that the dog looks like Vicious, the character from Cowboy Bebop? I mean, he looks like Sid Vicious. He's got like a, oh, like yeah. a, uh, 
like a like a, a safety pin through the ear, and he's he's uh, he's thinking cool. my way, yeah, and uh, all that yeah. stuff. And, <laughs> and, and he's uh, he's he's uh, heading toward an early death. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this guy, he's turning out to be a real creep. Uh, Dan, maybe this is a good place. Speaking of creeps, Dan, would you like to be creepy? And introduce the ad uh, for today. Okay, I guess I will. Why not? Hey, guys, have you heard of microdosing? You heard about yes. this? I'm going to pull it. Hmm, yeah, this isn't okay, creepy well, at all. This, this is an important message for, this, for America's youth. Dan, please tell us more. Uh, I'll put this newspaper away with the headline story. Microdosing, colon, awesome. You probably heard about <laughs> What newspaper microdosing. was that? <laughs> uh, 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 high Times Daily? Uh, certainly not High Times. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, you've probably heard about microdosing. If you search around a bit on the internet, you'll find all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. You don't have to search that hard. There's a thing called Google. <laughs> you can use that. Dan, what's this in for? Stay on target. <laughs> all over the place. Hey, our, our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. If you've been wondering... Hey, is THC right right for me? I, you know, what's the entry level? Where can I get in on this? Where's the ground floor? These deliver the entry level doses that you crave. Um, look, I, I've talked about it before. Pandemic's been hard on me, as it has on a lot of people. A lot easier on me than many people, so I'm not complaining. But it's a stressful time, and in a stressful time, it's been pleasant to have something that just uh shaves off that uh that that edge that uh that grinds against uh your psychology perfect metaphor <laughs> that makes you feel <laughs> anxious and tired and uh worried all the time maybe a microdose could help you with that it has helped me it's available nationwide uh, to learn more about microdosing THC you can just do a quick search online. Hey, that's in the copy. That's not me telling people to Google it. That's right in the copy. Or go to microdose.com, microdose.com. I sort of stumbled, so I wanted to say it again clearer and use code FLOP, F-L-O-P, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that is microdose.com and code FLOP. <laughs> for a movie. Oh, I got you. Uh, there's that new foreign film with the time travel. There's an amazing documentary about queer history on streaming. Have I told you about this classic where giant robots fight? Or there's that one that most critics hated, but I thought was actually pretty good. Ooh, I know. The one with the huge car chase, and then there's that scene where the, the car, car jumps, jumps over, over the submarine. submarine. Wow, who are you eclectic movie experts? Well, I'm Ify Wadiway. I'm Drea Clark. And I'm Alonzo Duraldi. And together, we host the movie podcast Maximum Film. New episode Episodes every week on MaximumFun.org. And you actually just walked into our recording booth. Oh, weird. Sorry. I thought this was a video store. You seem like a lady with a lot of problems. Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. So listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, let's get back to the chase. Literally, because during that big chase earlier, James Brolin saw the kidnapper drop something outside of a porno theater. 
in Times Square. That's right. It's seventies New York. You can't you can't escape going to a to a peep show in Times Square. So that's what he does. He goes there. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. You try. That's what Escape from New York is about. Snake Plissken mm-hmm. is like, I don't want to go to that. I think they're gross. But he uh-huh. has to go. And there. you're like, well, you have such a suggestive name, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but Ernest Borgnine drives him straight to one. Hey, buddy, I know a place you're gonna have a good time. And he's like, I don't want to go here. I'm Snake. Yeah, a guy named Snake and Plissken. I don't know what it means, but it sounds doity. Anyway, go on in. I'm Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> Academy Award winner. I'm driving a cab in this in this prison city. It's me, Marty. It's me, Marty. And then uh, Michael J. Fox goes, me? And he goes, no, 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 that's a different Marty. <laughs> yeah. It's very confusing. When, when two Weird characters movie. from Head different movies time. made 30 years apart have the same name. Yeah. It's very confusing. Ahead of its time. So he goes to the theater. He has to get a bunch of... He, he has do, you to think, find, uh, <laughs> do you think when they were making Back to the Future, they're like, are you sure we should call him Marty? Because there was a character yeah. also named Marty 30 years There's ago. Academy Award winning film. <laughs> when people say that very Marty, name. they're going to remember that movie. Remember it won an Academy Award and yeah. leave immediately to go see that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. They, so they uh, said, we, thankfully, they locked all the doors to the theaters. <laughs> Big fire hazard. Uh-huh. Could have turned out badly, but you Never know, you just assume the whole audience is gremlins, right? Future. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always assume. Yeah, that's why I go to so few movies because I'm like, oh, it's gonna be full of gremlins. Wait a minute, <laughs> that would be, be great. I should go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, when they're yeah, tearing you the apart, gremlins. you're like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> how I wanted to go. So the, yeah. so he saw a, a saw a dancer outside of this theater pick up something that the kidnapper dropped. So he goes there. There's only one way to find this dancer. He's got to cash in his dollar for quarters and pump them into the into the peep show window. And this is almost this is kind of a farcical scene where every time he puts in a quarter and the steel door goes up to reveal the window into the room where naked women are just kind of hanging around talking to John's on the phone. The wrong dancer keeps coming up to him and he's going, no, him over, her over there, her over there. And then the door goes down and he puts another quarter in a different dancer comes by. This James Brolin, he just can't catch a break. First, his daughter gets kidnapped by a psychopath and then he just can't get the yeah, right woman's attention. So he, uh, he breaks into the room and here's the, one of the problems with James Brolin in this movie. He rarely says things like, my daughter was kidnapped. I need your help. He goes up to the, mm. to the he say, keeps saying to the strippers, my little girl's been taken. My little girl. And they're like, oh, I'll be your little girl. And it's like, just say daughter. There's a word for it. There's a word everyone knows that means yeah. the child that you are the dad of who's a girl. It's daughter. Just use well, that one. Well, the original screenplay was written by um, Abbott and Costello. And they're, <laughs> yeah. Abbott and Costello, and yeah. they're a lot more misunderstanding I guess that bits. makes sense. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. by this point, <laughs> Abbott and Costello were too old to perform. So they were instead, they were ghostwriting comedy routines for thriller movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there would be scenes where someone was in the strip club where someone would be stripped behind uh, Costello and he'd be going... <laughs> for those that home, Dan's pointing Abbott behind to, him and he's... It sounds Abbott, like... He wanted Abbott to turn around. <laughs> and he's too scared of the stripper to, <laughs> too scared yeah. of the stripper. to say yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. But uh, Dan, Dan, it sounded like he was just hissing like a cat. It sounded was, like I was hissing. Yeah, was, I turned into a cat person. like the <laughs> Or a snake movie person. Of the same name. Well, that's like in that yeah. movie, Abbott and Costello meet the cat people, where, uh, where <laughs> Abbott turns into one of the cat people. And that's written, why by, they have those- uh, <laughs> written by Paul Schrader, right? <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep. So here's the right funny thing. Right after heartbeats. When, when- <laughs> it's one of the first times when your heart, your Paul Schrader references have made sense, Stuart. <laughs> I want- Boom, me and Uncle Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he's your uncle? Yeah, me and Finally Uncle Paul. Yeah. Off. <laughs> I, the, uh, I, I just, I want, I, someday I want someone to miss, to, I want this to get out there. So that's in Paul Schrader's obituary, it said, like, after direct, after writing Taxi Driver and, and directing movies like Blue Collar and American Gigolo, he took a strain, he took a turn to comedy for heartbeats before returning back for. I mean, for films like First Reformed. Some, there's some terrible editorial cartoon that's like his our heart is beeping in heaven now. <laughs> I thought I wasn't even going to be that imaginative. I thought he was just at the pearly gates and St. Peter goes, "Welcome in, Mr. Schrader. I loved heart beeps." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's one of uh. Stewart's urban legends. You can trace it right back to Stewart that that Paul Schrader made heart beeps. Anyway, he finally. Uh, you know Brolin, this fucking dude. You know that dude is going to be fucking around on Facebook one of these days. And come across this shit, and he's gonna be—he's gonna be so mad he'll close the browser where he's getting kicked out of an online poker game. <laughs> so James Brolin—he breaks into the room where the dancers are, and he gets beaten up by the bouncers. But the dancer that he was wanted to talk to gives him what the kidnapper dropped—it's some sort of a dog medal. Meanwhile, 
the kidnapper, he calls the mom of the rich girl he thinks he's kidnapped. What's a, what's a dog medal? You know, like a dog tag. Oh, okay, but they, I but they, I think oh. they call it a dog medal in the in the in the movie because uh, of copyright or something. What's <laughs> yeah? Because dog, dog tags is a is a trademark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, dog medal just sounds like an award for that you got for like for being, know, being the best dog, best dog. Yeah. or saving other dogs <laughs> yeah. in yeah. combat or yes. whatever you know. Or it sounds like a super so. cool wrestler name, dog medal. Dog mm-hmm. metal sounds pretty cool, Dan. Mm-hmm. So dog metal is, cool. a, is a it's a strain of metal music in which uh, they just have dog sounds uh-huh. <laughs> instead of guitar. Uh huh. That already mm-hmm. sounds. Wait, no, there's no guitar at all. They just no use dogs for both melody and harmony. Yes, okay, for melody, let's do it's it. different dogs. There's lead dog and there's bass dog, and instead of drums, it's uh, it's cats. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you'll never guess what the lead singer is. Uh, I guess if I'll, should I guess? Are you waiting for me to guess? Or? You'll never guess. Just try it. You'll okay. never guess. Uh, is it a, um, is it Sebastian Bach from Skid Row? Oh, you guessed it. Okay. Yeah. It is Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. <laughs> wow. I said you'd never guess it, but it was the first one you one. guessed. Yeah. Wow, that was, you okay. know, I'm, I'm good so, at games. Yeah. yeah. So Sebastian Bach from <laughs> Skid Row, he, he was on Broadway for a little while and then he, he started up a new project called Dog Metal. It's him and he was the, also some dogs in and cats. Gilmore Girls, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Uh, he was in fucking Gilmore Girls. I'm no, not making just, that up. No, it's no, but your use of the of the of the, oh, yeah, of the term yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, no, he was he was part of Lane's band. Now I, do I say obviously because I know that there's a lot of fans of Stars Hollow listening to this podcast right now, and they're like, "Duh, Lee, why didn't you talk about uh, Sebastian Bach being Gilmore Girls earlier?" And You're right. I should. That's true. They're all, uh, you know, they're all fans of the GGS and Paris and the rest of the gang. None of the dudes. <laughs> there are sure. no good dudes in that show. Well, even I know that. I know that. I don't. I don't even watch the show regularly. Okay, I've only seen a few episodes. Okay, so the kidnapper calls the mo- the rich girl's mom and is like, hey, give me a million dollars or I'll start chopping up your daughter and sending her to you in pieces. The mom is justifiably confused because her daughter is right there in the room with her, uh, but she still calls the police because that's still a scary call to get, even if yeah. this person yeah. doesn't have your daughter. Uh, James Brolin, uh, at this point, I'm trying to, it was, I was not taking notes while watching the movie, so I reconstructed this afterwards. At some point, he's taken to the hospital and uh, a sympathetic cop kind of lets him leave because uh, to go get his daughter, but just as he is escaping incognito, a doctor goes out. His name is Boyd. A doctor goes out, Mr. Boyd, I found the cane that you asked for, and the cops arrest him again. He g- now, this takes place in New York, so Mr. Boyd is a bird, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, his name is probably Bird, but they're calling him Boyd. Mr. Yeah, Boyd. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's, he's teamed up with a woman named Goyle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and for some reason, they call Harry Styles Harry Stoyles. Oh, that's what you're, you know what that makes sense? Again, anachronistic. But so, so I guess what this great. also means is that Popeye Doyle in French Connection, his real name is Popeye Durrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm. We're all learning something. Yeah. Um, and when and when they're saying uh, that food is spoiled, they're really saying that it's spurled. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, you know, I don't know what that means, but. We'll never find mm-hmm. out. Uh, so here's the thing. He goes to this, he gets booked to this police station. Who happens to be there? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. To spurl something out is to cause a chaotic or messy source to flow out in an outpouring. So accurate, you know. Yeah, if it's spurled, apparently just dropped it on the on the floor, maybe. Okay. Well, I mean, that'll ruin some food, like if you're holding an egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, the five second rule doesn't work for eggs. Just don't even try. Don't scoop. I don't mean, if it's it a hard boiled egg, and you know the 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 shell's still relatively intact. You're right. Yeah, just I dust it off egg. and scarf down an egg. You know, <laughs> treat yourself. <Yeah. laughs> treat yourself to an egg. <laughs> Just like the Egg Council says. Yeah. Egg says hey, America, treat yourself. treat yourself to an egg. The show's brought to you by eggs. <laughs> treat yourself to, to a sweet treat, an egg. Treat yourself to an egg. Hey. The yolk's not, the, the, the white's not much, but the yolk's a nice yeah. Hey, You've hey, earned you a had, surprise. You had you a hard it, day buddy. today. You had yeah. to take the subway. It was it was super crowded. Bad day uh-huh. at work. And then <laughs> your, your significant other dumped you. Hey, take the edge off. Treat yourself mm-hmm. to an egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pandemic, political turmoil, war, 
why don't you have an egg? <laughs> Imagine a commercial with the egg cuts where someone is, yeah, you know, there's all this bad stuff and then someone turns off the news and goes, ah, and then just opens up a carton of eggs and smiles. <laughs> You've never let me down. Pull, pulls a hard-boiled egg out of their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they keep, because, because, because they're it a hobo. It has its wrapper, idiot. <laughs> 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 and it's a and there's a narrator that just goes eggs in good times they just seem to go together. <laughs> now now here's the other commercial. Okay, just, uh, based on that rapper Stuart. Uh, so someone they go oh I have some candy in my pocket and they pull it out and it's all sticky and covered in lint and he goes oh and the next guy pulls out a hard boiled egg from his pocket and goes it has its own wrapper dummy and then just flakes the shell off leaving little pieces yeah. of eggshell all over the the floor Stop of the theater. Here, man. Be so hungry, <laughs> and, and it's Kirk Cameron is the thing. He's like an egg, hard boiled egg comes in its own wrapper. This is this is this proves proof of intelligent design that if you cook an egg, it has yep. a shell still. <laughs> that God created. The shell doesn't cook away. God in His infinite wisdom knew that we would, we would figure out that you boil these. Yep. Kirk Cameron. Oh, okay. God had a plan, and that was us figuring out how to boil eggs. Yep. <laughs> Okay, anyway. So anyway, he gets this police station. Who does he run into? Uh-oh. It's his ex-partner, Dan Hedaya, a crooked cop oh, that, whose life Boyd ruined when he reported him for doing corrupt things. Hedaya's like, oh, my family hates me, I, and all that stuff. He takes him to an interrogation room and gets ready to beat him up, which is silly. James Brolin is so much bigger than Dan Hedaya. The idea that yeah, Dan Hedaya is going to be able to take him is 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 He's bonkers. got like a vibe, you know. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, I, it, he's got a he's got the vibe of the dad in Clueless. Yeah, uh, but he's but, he's like young. Like, what did he look like when he was not the dad in Clueless? He looked Where almost his eyebrows exactly still the same. Enormous. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is this is about fifteen years before he's the dad from Clueless, and he looks pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, now and so so James Brolin beats him up and runs away. Now he's wanted yeah. for beating up a cop. Here is maybe the most amazing scene in the movie. Doesn't so, change his clothes though, right? He's still wearing a, a plaid shirt and jeans. Same clothes. He doesn't think to disguise himself, shave off his beard. He's not exactly mm-hmm. Harrison Ford in The Fugitive, you know, mm-hmm. where Harrison Ford is like, "The police are after me. I have a beard. Let me <laughs> shave it off. It'll totally it'll surprise them. They'll, they'll, they're looking for a man with a beard. They don't know that beards are removable." Police are after me. I will put a plastic green hat on my head and walk around the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yeah, yeah, that works too. That's, they, they think I'm not Irish, so this will confuse them. Uh, so do you realize Kirk Cameron, he also said, he goes, intelligent design shows that God knew we might have to run from the police at some point. So he gave men facial hair that can be removed to create two different yeah, looks right. in instant disguise. <laughs> yeah. Yours are not yeah. permanent. Oh, because, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Dan Hedaya's... Uh, you know, filmography. I'm wondering, like, other than the craft, or not the craft. Sorry, other than Clueless. Same movie. Same craft. He was one movie. of the four craft ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said the craft. Other that than is, Clueless, no, it, it does. It does suggest an interesting, different version of Clueless, where instead of Alicia Silverstone <laughs> making over Brittany Murphy, Brittany Murphy introduces Alicia Silverstone to magic. Yeah. I'm, I think it's because I was scrolling by The Crew, which is a movie he's in. Oh. Other than Clueless, uh, has he, you know, has he played like a, just like a nice, a regular nice dude? Yeah, I, like Blood know, Simple. Ad- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the nicest. <laughs> I mean, I just like, you know, he's great at what he does. I just, I pity the Even poor Even if what he man. does isn't pretty. <laughs> like He's just like, I guess my thing is I play real creeps all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's called having a career, Dan. It's a fucking living, yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, no, to to be a character actor who plays creeps all the time, that would be pretty fun. Living the dream. Yeah. And, and boy, what a creep he is because he chases after James Brolin into the streets with a shotgun in his hands, and he's just blasting away at him in Hell real yeah. New York City streets. And James Brolin is just ducking under cars and stuff, and people are running and screaming. It's not really clear that the pe- that the extras know this is a movie. It's very possible they just had Dan Hedaya blast. Blasting away with a with a shotgun full of blanks, and then and then had windows rigged to explode. And it is this scene is it's just it's the most over the top scene in the whole movie to me because it's it's super intense. And you're like, there is no way that no one's going to get hurt. He's just chasing after him out in the middle of the day. Again, it's just set during the day, even though the movie's called Night of the Juggler. It should be called Day of the Juggler, and actually, it should be called Day of the Guy who wears a plaid shirt because there's no jugglers yeah. in it. Uh, it's the, he's it's just it's an amazing scene. I mean, Day of the Kidnapper. 
seems more accurate. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. what, and later on they refer to him as the Mole Man, so they could have called it Day of the Mole Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they so, should have. Anyway, uh, that that police lieutenant played by Clemenza, he is uh, wiretapping calls from the from the kidnapper, but he gets the kidnapper paranoid because the guy who's running the tracer on the call makes a lot of noise for some reason. He like knocks over a pile of videotapes or something, yeah. and uh, now the kidnapper doesn't trust anybody. Boyd, he's got this dog tag, this dog medal for heroic service in protection of dogs. He takes it to the animal control offices in the city because he wants to look up the owner's name and address, and he gets helped by a beautiful young woman played by Julie Carmen, who you will know, of course, as the female lead in In the Mouth of Madness. And she decides, kind of just by looking at in James Brolin's eyes, she decides he's a good man and she's going to help him. And she becomes Mm. his kind of sidekick through most of the rest of the movie until she kind of disappears at a certain point. Um, Probably to go read some Sutter Kane. Yeah, she has, she gets her job as an editor, <laughs> editing Sutter Kane, and things went downhill from there. So uh, they find the name of the guy. His name is Gus Soltik, and he lives up in the South Bronx. She goes, oh, that's my, near where my neighborhood is. It's bad. You should come with me. And they bond on the subway up there. Uh, the, she's clearly, I guess, supposed to be attracted to him, but the movie does not have them build a romance within minutes of meeting, uh, really. So I give the movie credit for that. Um, unlike the movie Brain Smasher, a love story, in which uh, Terry Hatcher falls for um, uh, Andrew Dice Clay within like 40 minutes of knowing him. Yeah. Uh, well, they, she sees how good he is at smashing brains. Yeah, it's hard to find a, a good man. who's All the good men who smash brains are either gay or taken. So you yep. got to jump mm-hmm. on the one that's there, you know. Um, Dan, uh, when you smash brains, how does that pay? Is that a good job? Do you get benefits? <laughs> how does it pay? I mean, it's on commission. Is the weird wow. thing. It, okay, how does that work? Explain, please. <laughs> well, you got to find someone who will pay you to smash a brain. Well, that's not commission. That's a salary position. And then you, position, take a, you take a cut of all the brains you can smash. <laughs> I don't uh, understand. Okay. <laughs> this, I, will, yeah. I mean, if it works, it works. I'm not an economist. I don't need to know how, how, it, how brain yeah, well, smashing functions. Most, if Elliot most, can't understand it, maybe his brain's already economic. been smashed. <laughs> Oh, it's possible. Just sounds like gibberish. So. so anyway, the kidnapper goes, I want you to leave a million dollars for me in this parks department structure. It's right next to where a big outdoor rock concert is being set up. And uh, the other cops are like, he'll show up and we'll just shoot him with snipers in the middle of this crowded rock concert. And Richard Castellano was like, that's a terrible idea. Uh, but he said he leaves a cop to wait in the shadows uh, of the room where the money's going to be. Uh, Boyd and Maria get uptown and it's like, you know what? This movie's set in kind of scuzzy New York. It's from the 70s. The movie hasn't Mm. been, it hasn't shown us like kind of a racist caricature of a street gang. We've seen a racist caricature of a taxi cab driver, but not so much of a street gang. Well, here they are. It's time for them to show up. And they're mad at James Brolin because they think he's stealing one of their women. And they chase after him and he runs away uh, and eventually finds the location of Soltik, who the locals call the Mole Man, he gets there just as Soltik is taking his daughter out to go to the money handoff, and Boyd starts chasing him through the rubble of the South Bronx. But then that street gang shows up. There are roughly 500 members of the street gang, and they oh, wow. all try to kill Boyd, and he's just fighting them off like crazy until uh, the police show up and start arresting everybody. And Boyd, even though he is wanted for assaulting a police officer, getting into a fight in a porn theater, uh, also jumping the turnstile, maybe the worst, because when he does that, he's stealing yeah. from everybody. By, by stealing the fare that he owes to the MTA, he's stealing from everybody who uses the subway, Wow, which you've, is been, uh, most of you've been talking to your buddy Eric Adams, huh? Anyway, anyway so Eric <laughs> Adams and I met at this Bitcoin convention, and he had a lot sure. of interesting things to say about crime prevention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he told you to check inside the walls of your kid's rooms see if there's any contraband in yeah there. It's, it's so with eric it's it's been so liberating being in los angeles and not in new york that i i don't really keep tabs of eric adams and it's nice having a different mayor here that i can dislike as opposed to the yeah. mayor of new york uh yeah. dislike and be disappointed in and we're we have a mayoral election coming up the primary is going on right now as record today is the primary election day i already mailed in my ballot uh last week and yeah, you were saying you can't wait for Caruso to win, right? <laughs> I was saying uh, what I really David want is I, I want the si- – yeah. I thought it was David Ow! Caruso. That's the thing. That's why I voted for him because I thought he was going to deliver the state of the city address with sunglasses on and then take him off and put him on when he had puns. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Stuart's right. I, I really want the city to be run like a like a weird outdoor mall that feels like the village from The Prisoner. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, just kidding. I didn't vote for Caruso. Uh, so there uh, – anyway, Boyd says on the radio, hey – this guy, Soltik, he works in the city tunnels. This is something that we learned that I didn't bring up till now. He's going to use the tunnel system to get to where the money is. <laughs> oh, he's not going to go above man. ground. Yeah, that's why they call him the Mole Man. Uh, and so now 
The kidnapper is on the train to the way the concert's going to be. He's super creepy. He starts telling Boyd's daughter that he's getting the money so the two of them can run off and live together in love. It's really gross. It's terrible. Um, the kidnapper gets the handoff area, almost immediately shoots the cop who's lying in wait for him there, and this is it. Boyd shows up, and it is time for him to take down this kidnapper. Uh-oh. Yeah. The kidnapper runs into the maintenance tunnels of the city. This is where he's at his strongest, and he uses every trap he can think of. He's releasing steam. There's something with electricity. It goes on forever, and I was Love watching it. this movie on YouTube because it's not it's not that easy to get a hold of otherwise, and the visuals were a little blurry as opposed, also dark, so it's kind of hard to tell what was going on during <laughs> the roughly nine minutes straight of them fighting <laughs> in the subways. It was, to be fair, the movie lost a lot of momentum because it was- so you missed the Ninja Turtles coming. Again and, yep. and wondering yeah. where their pizza was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to assume that's what happened. Uh, so you think the Ninja Turtles are foolish enough that they they just tell the pizza guy come to the sewers and then they're just sitting around baffled by the fact that the pizza has not arrived? Well, if uh, the the first movie is any indication, mm-hmm. they tell them to go to like a certain address and a, like a half or a quarter or whatever oh, right, it is, right. and then they're like, "Hey, look down here." And, uh, yeah, if I recall, also, they don't tip him because he's a little late, which is really, that's you know, not fair. pretty shitty. That's fucked up, dude. Michelangelo's those, part. Those turtles, they're real, they're real and random. Well, it's because they've, they they've, yeah. they've, they've never had to work a service job before, you know? Yeah. No, no, they've got it pretty <laughs> just, sweet. Just ninjas. <laughs> just Ninja, ninjas. Well, that's, that's a guild. That's like a, that's a skilled laborer yeah. job. Yeah. Um, they, have you guys ever had this happen to you? This happened to me once with my credit card company. I was so impressed. That's why I'm sticking with them. Uh, their fraud prevention uh, alert system. <laughs> they saw that I had paid for a pizza party for a number of kids. I had bought 10 or 11 pizzas. And they just wanted to check and make sure that a Ninja Turtle had not stolen my credit card. And I really appreciated that uh, they did yeah, that. That's- yeah. It was great. Well, you because know, they saw the so toppings listed and it was ice cream and anchovies <laughs> yeah. and, and like just like <laughs> kernels of corn for some reason. And you're like, this yeah. is popular in Europe, but not here. They got algorithms <laughs> to pick up that sort of thing yeah. when a Ninja Turtle tries to order yeah. pizza. And yeah, it happens. Uh, and, and they suggest movies to them that they want to watch. I know that's what algorithms do. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this, do they, there's, there's, and they, there's. And they combat. Uh, LeBron James in the Toon World or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Did that happen? Oh, algorithms. Yeah, I, thought, I thought you meant Ninja Turtles. I was like, I don't remember Ninja Turtles in Space Jam. Algae rhythms do that. That's true. Um, yeah, what a movie that Space Jam movie. It was on. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was on the airplane recently, and my and my son was like that. We were on. My son was like, Oh, Space Jam. Should I watch that? And I was like, Why? We already have an HBO Max subscription. Like you don't need a real like, advertisement for but that. But look, it's the nuns <laughs> from the devils. You don't have to be a, on a plane for this, Sammy. <laughs> he was he was watching. Yeah, he was pointing out all the Easter eggs. He was going, "There's Baby Jane, Betty Davis herself. <laughs> it's my friends, the Droogs. Yeah, <laughs> Droogs. All my favorite characters." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, <laughs> the nuns from the devils is that's I mean it's almost worth that the movie exists <laughs> so just for that crazy. being in there. <laughs> There's Malcolm McDowell as Caligula right behind yeah. LeBron James. Anyway, We're hanging the, out with the mask. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the so the the fight goes on forever. Eventually, Brolin defeats him. Uh, I couldn't tell if he kills him or not. The movie, like I said, it gets really dark here. Boyd takes his daughter back up to the surface, and she says, I still don't want to move to Connecticut. And he goes, you're just like your old man. And then I guess they go off and watch that rock concert uh, as honored guests of the police department. Now, what do you think would have happened in the Space Jam movie if the mask oh, had boy. lost his his magical mask and then Caligula mm-hmm. had picked it up and put it on? <laughs> do you think he'd still say smoking and somebody stop me and shit like that? <laughs> yeah, but he'd say it in Latin. Uh, yeah, you might say sense. smoking. I don't think Caligula was worried about someone stopping him. That's true. It's kind or, of the I point mean, of the story been, is that he wasn't worried about I, that. He did what he yeah. yeah. I mean, he certainly wouldn't encourage anyone to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe he would dare them to stop him. I mean, that's, maybe that's power, part of the fantasy. Yeah. Try to stop the great Caligula. When he, when he dressed, up in a, dressed up in a zoot suit and then made his horse a senator. Yeah, that's... Yeah, uh, yeah. What else? I wonder what else Mask Caligula would do. I wish I remembered more of what happens in the movie The Mask. Well, he would probably lead his army on an invasion of England and then just pick up some stones and then go home, right? Oh, they were like seashells, right? He just picked up seashells. So here's the thing. I've heard conflicting explanations of that story. One is that he had gone mad and he thought that he had defeated the sea. And the other was that he was so disappointed in his army that he was like, you know what? 
we're going to go fight the sea, pick up some seashells. That's our treasure. You guys did a great job. That was kind of sarcastic. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Caligula stories that might've been like when he made his horse a Senator, he might've been like, just, just insulting the other senators. Not like, I would have figured not actually doing it for realsies. That the point of it was that he got to England and he's like, "This is the beaches you have. Ah, these are these yeah, are your yeah. beaches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just rocks, rocks and shells. <laughs> Let's go home. Why guys. did I come here? Italy has great beaches. What am I doing? Like, here? Yeah. Everybody here vacations in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so who else? So who? I forgot. Who else? What other characters were in? Uh, were in the background of Space Jam? What other great Warner, <laughs> Warner Brothers properties? I what don't other know, great characters from history? Yeah. yeah, what if the Iron Giant got a hold of that mask, huh? <laughs> or what if Caligula got a hold of the Iron Giant? Oh, boy, that would be trouble. Uh, no. <laughs> so okay. much trouble. Uh, so and now this, of course, is retconning Caligula as a Warner what, Brothers release, <laughs> which, of course, it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, the CEO of Warner Brothers, Bob Guccione. Maybe, yeah, Bob Guccione sold it. It was a big mistake when they appointed Bob Guccione head of Warner Brothers, and suddenly all the Looney Tunes characters were just golden showering each other. It's the future of animation. Trust me. Iron Giant's famous line, I am not a senator. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, that's (sighs) Night of the Juggler. Here's what I'm going to tell you about this movie. It is not as classy as you're taking a Pelham 123s or your Dog Day Afternoons is. But it's also not quite as gross as some of the real exploitation-y movies made in New York at uh-huh. the time. It's kind of betwixt and between, and as a result, it's kind of a little too rough for fun and not quite not quite intense enough for making you feel bad fun, like watch when you watch yeah. an exploitation movie and you feel bad afterwards. Um, but guys, here's the question. Are you glad you missed your movie? Are you sad you missed the movie, or it, do, do you had to unmiss the movie? Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Um. I. I'm. I'll. I'll say that. Um. Once you started talking about it and the title like sunk in with the plot together, I realized that this is a movie that I had heard about before on um the Pure Cinema podcast, which is a good podcast uh, about a lot of uh, what's it genre about like movies. cooking. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's often genre movies, not always, but like also like often little scene uh, movies. And I would say that, you know, I, w- I would criticize it for uh, sometimes being the kind of thing where they recommend something just because like they're such movie lovers that they want to recommend something obscure and uh, new and perhaps overvalue the uh, novelty of it. But then again, that's my whole letterboxed uh, diary is me (laughs) giving maybe one star too many to various things because uh, they're on the outskirts and I find it interesting for some obscure reasons. So uh, anyway, the whole point is I was already kind of interested in it. So I would say... I I I I had to not miss it, which is that I will look it up at some point. Stuart, uh, I I feel that Elliot's description, while exciting, which I having heard Elliot describe many movies over the years, uh, you have a talent for it, sir. Uh, I also can tell that I don't think I would enjoy watching the movie as much as I enjoyed listening to you describe mm. it to me. Mm. I think mm. it is. I would. Uh, to be fair, I think it is a movie that. Is probably more fun to yeah hear about or read about than it is to actually watch. So I'm gonna say I'm glad I missed it because there's it, only so many hour, uh, only so many kernels of sand in this hourglass, baby. Would it change yeah. your thinking at all if I mentioned that um, the 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 father of the kidnap of the the father of the rich girl who is not kidnapped is played by Marco St. John, who, as Wikipedia describes, is known for his role as the horny truck driver in Thelma and Louise. So you can kind of imagine this that it's the same character who lost his real estate riches and became a truck driver and yeah. then had his truck blown up. Would that help? I I will say I do want to go and find the scene uh, where Dan Hedaya is just blasting shit with a shotgun somewhere on YouTube, maybe. That is that is a, that scene is definitely is definitely worth watching. He's just okay. going He's just going bananas yep. with a with a with a shotgun, and it is, it's very scary. It's a very scary scene because you're like, I kind of believe Dan Hedaya did this for real, and they just had to write it into the movie. <laughs> yeah, 
<sighs> okay. Well, thanks uh, for enlivening our life with a, another movie that we have missed. No problem. Uh, guys, I was so glad to share it with you. And listeners, I was even more glad to share it with you. As always, I should say this more often. I apologize for anything I said during this podcast that was either insulting or unfunny. Uh, so please. <laughs> oh, we can just do that. Yeah, I, well, I'm doing it now. Yeah. Uh, oh, we should that's how it. you put your. I'll that, apologize. You make sure for, that your foot's on base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, I'll apologize for much of my life. Then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, we can do that. Uh, but this is the end of another missed that movie mini Manny episode of the Flophouse Podcast. I have been Elliot Kalen, and joining me on this tour through the torrid underbelly of '70s New York has been me, Dan McCoy. And me, Stuart Wellington. <laughs> we'll be back next week with a regular episode where we talk about a more recent movie that all of us have seen. Stay tuned. It's going to be probably Wait, like this, but slightly more structured. No, no, it's not going to be stay tuned. Or maybe, no, maybe it will be. Stay tuned starring the late John Ritter, sure. Uh, no, it's not going to be stay tuned, everybody. But stay tuned to this podcast, which will not be about stay tuned, Next week on okay. the Flophouse. Thanks to everyone at Maximum the Fun Flop or Network. House. Thanks to our uh, editor producer, Alex Smith. And thanks to you. Good night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.